when naming a beneficiary in any one of these accounts, it's important to select a beneficiary who is of age of majority. That's typically age 18 in most states. If you select someone who is under the age of 18, then the state probate court will get involved and they could hold on to that money for the beneficiary until they are age 18. And holding on to money for a beneficiary is typically not free. Welcome to the Emmett Advisor Podcast. I'm Paul Morton, a certified financial planner professional. The M Advisor podcast exists to help busy professionals get an educated and clear vision about money. Talking about money is difficult enough as it is. Discover the confidence in creating a customized financial plan in a calm and casual environment. Not every professional should have the same financial plan. Everyone is different. Let's celebrate that. Every financial plan should be different too. Music used in this show is by the band Forum. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Inc., a broker-dealer, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and M Advisor are not affiliated. Welcome to the M Advisor podcast. I'm Paul Morton. The M-Advisor podcast comes out on payday, the 15th and 30th of each month. M-Advisor provides customized financial plans for busy professionals. Today's topic is naming beneficiaries. This is an estate planning task that is overlooked by so many individuals, so many people. Just once a year, when completing your benefits, you're asked to name a beneficiary for your retirement plan if you have a retirement plan or if you have enrolled in your retirement plan. And so oftentimes, the beneficiary is lackadaisically named. So a question I have is, how should you go about figuring out your beneficiary? Are there rules behind beneficiary elections? And then what is a good way to move forward and check those beneficiary elections. First of all, different states have different rules on all of these beneficiary elections, so it is really important to speak with someone who's knowledgeable about that particular state, but in general, a lot of the rules will be similar or the same. And if you are married, then a lot of times the beneficiary election is really simple. If you are married and have a trust established, then the rules can get a little bit more complicated. And if you are not married, it can get really complicated on how to name your beneficiary. So first of all, what accounts and assets are available to pass by beneficiary? Well, first of all, your retirement plans and your salary deferral plans in the form of a 457 plan are eligible for beneficiary transfer. So that's going to be a 401k or 403b. The salary deferral is the 457 plan. Any sort of pension or retirement plan will usually be transferred by beneficiary. And 
you as the plan member can elect any beneficiary you want, really. Next, life insurance policies and annuities all pass by beneficiary law. So when you purchased a term life insurance plan in number of years ago, you named a beneficiary and those are much harder to update because you don't purchase insurance year after year. You usually purchase an insurance plan and then wait a decade or two to look at it again. And annuities very similarly. Annuities are insurance contracts that basically do the opposite of life insurance. Instead of paying a lump sum to a beneficiary upon the death of the insured, an annuity can provide a stream of income for an insured while living. In any excess or leftover may be passed on to the beneficiary. And lastly, you can take any sort of cash account, whether that be a checking account, a savings account, or an investment account, and add a TOD, or transfer on death, label to these. So what that means is you just add a beneficiary to an investment account or a checking account, for the purpose of passing it to very specific individuals. And in general, on all three of these types of accounts, the retirement plans, the life insurance policies, and the checking slash investment accounts, there are slightly different rules governing beneficiaries, but for the most part, they're all going to be very similar. When naming a beneficiary in any one of these accounts, it's important to select a beneficiary who is of age of majority. That's typically age 18 in most states. If you select someone who is under the age of 18, then the state probate court will get involved and they could hold on to that money for the beneficiary until they are age 18. And holding on to money for a beneficiary is typically not free. And then at age 18, the beneficiary would receive whatever money is left over, potentially free and clear. And then with retirement plans... Retirement plans probably have the trickiest beneficiary naming rules around in that you typically need a spouse to be primary beneficiary. And if you are married and you name someone other than your spouse as beneficiary, the spouse must sign off on it. The spouse must sign that they are okay with that. However, if you have a retirement plan, typically of any kind, and you have a marital change, a divorce or a spouse passes away, and the beneficiary is not updated, then the beneficiary, even if it's named 
to an ex-spouse. So even if the ex-spouse is the beneficiary, a lot of times the proceeds of the account will be directed to the decedent or individual who has deceased to their estate if the beneficiary has not been updated since a divorce. Now, that is not accurate in every state, so each state has their different rules of stringency on that. But that is something to consider if there has been significant changes in your life to always look at your beneficiaries once the dust settles down from whatever change has come and gone. And then on retirement plans as well, with the SECURE Act, starting with the first one, it really got rid of the quote-unquote stretch IRA or allowing a beneficiary IRA to be distributed based on the beneficiary's life. Now, the beneficiary IRA must be liquidated within 10 years of receipt unless a spouse is beneficiary. And if a spouse is beneficiary, then a spouse can basically use the inherited retirement plan more or less as their own, which could have some significant advantages to allowing the tax-deferred growth of a retirement plan to do its thing. And if someone has a trust established, a living revocable trust, you typically would only want to name that trust as a contingent or secondary beneficiary in a retirement plan. You still want the spouse, if a spouse exists in your household, to be the primary beneficiary. There is significant benefit still to having the spouse be the beneficiary over the trust because the trust would basically act as a non-spouse beneficiary. Even if the spouse is the owner or grantor and beneficiary of the trust, the trust would still be viewed as a non-spouse beneficiary according to the IRS. So in a retirement plan, it's important to name a spouse, if at all possible, as primary beneficiary. A trust might be the contingent or secondary beneficiary. You would want your beneficiaries to be of age and majority or older. And if you're single, then it's just a matter of decision making. If you've never been married and you don't have kids, maybe it would be parents, brother, sister, or even a charity. If you're single and either have been married or have kids, then there is a little bit more of a complicated situation in that there probably should be some more thorough estate planning completed so that you probably would name a trust as primary beneficiary if your kids are not of the age of majority quite yet. So then even though the retirement plan may be liquidated within 10 years, it doesn't mean it has to be spent within 10 years, but if it's if it does have to be liquidated in 10 years, it at least goes to your kids and not elsewhere. 
And for that, of course, speak to the proper attorney and legal counsel to get that established for your particular situation. So then on to the next and life insurance beneficiaries. Usually when you set up a living trust or a family trust or a grantor trust, which basically means that whether it be an individual trust or a a jointly held trust, usually the grantor or the creator of the trust is also the beneficiary of the trust. So that could be just you, you are, you created the trust and you're the beneficiary of the trust. And then maybe if you're married, your spouse has his or her own trust as well. Or it could be a single trust for a family. So then the two spouses create the trust and the two spouses are both beneficiaries of the same trust. So if a grantor trust, family trust, revocable trust is established, then usually it's okay to name the trust as primary beneficiary on all the life insurance policies. So the life insurance is creditor protected. It is income tax-free. There are so many good things about life insurance, but then once it gets paid to a beneficiary, it's then just cash. So if you have an insurance policy and let's say the proceeds ultimately go to your kids and your kids get married and then divorced, if there's no trust or there's no estate plan governing that trust and firmly connecting those funds to your children, then it could be that your children's ex-husband kids ultimately benefit from your life insurance. So if there's a trust in place and the trust is named as primary beneficiary, then that trust would be connected to your children in, in the event of a divorce. It's earmarked for your kids by you as the grantor and creator of that trust. The same rules apply in the age 18 or age of majority for life insurance as they do for the retirement plan. So you would want the life insurance policy to be named to someone who is the age of majority. But then there are also some other creative trusts that can be established for life insurance policies specifically. And these are to avoid probate taxes. So while life insurance proceeds are typically income tax-free, they are not estate tax-free. Now, the current situation allows for a very large estate tax exemption threshold, around $12 million each person. So for a married couple, up to you know, $24, $25 million, which that's a lot of money to pass on to a beneficiary. And right now, there's really not as big of a need for something that's called an islet or an irrevocable life insurance trust to avoid the estate tax. Now, after 2025, that super high exemption sunsets to about $5 million. And so I think you'll see the islet or irrevocable life insurance trust. And then lastly is the investment slash 
savings slash checking account, the TOD accounts. And remember, TOD stands for transfer on death. And that's just a fancy term for saying, I want to take a pretty regular account and I want to name a beneficiary. Now, the reason you would do that typically is that there is a beneficiary who is someone you want to give money to who's not in the normal or natural flow of your current estate plan. So if you have a trust, you might own a trust account instead of an individual TOD account. However, there are some individuals who want to hold on to certain assets outside of a trust and then even name a trust as the beneficiary. But typically, the TOD ruling, the TOD beneficiary, might, might be to name a certain individual who's not necessarily in your household directly as beneficiary. So this could be like a cousin. It could be like specific grandkids. It could be, you know, uncle, aunt, friends, caregivers, things of that nature, so that those individuals may not receive portions of your current estate plan, but those specific accounts, you might have saved some money up for those individuals specifically so that after you pass away, those accounts are then transferred to the individual by beneficiary law. Now, naming beneficiaries is not rocket science, so there shouldn't be too much effort maybe put into it, but it is something that I think is a really important task that is so often overlooked and minimized as a basic task when the reality is that naming the proper beneficiaries can be the difference between a successful estate plan and taking care of those who you want to take care of and you're responsible for taking care of and disinheriting those who really need certain accounts or money or it could be a situation where the owner of the account isn't taking care of the things they need to take care of. So while naming a beneficiary could be a simple task, it is an important one. Thank you for listening. I'm Paul Morton. This is the M-Advisor podcast. M-Advisor provides customized financial plans for busy professionals. I really appreciate you listening and being here today.